0: You are listening to the 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for 1% of our day. We study God's Word, then we head out to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that God's given us. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. I invite you to check us out at soh.church. And while you're there, download our free mobile app. We've got a digital Bible on there. We've got all of our teachings. We've got online community that you can be a part of and chat with. And if you're listening anywhere where you get your podcasts, like, share, subscribe, turn on your notifications, leave a five-star review. People listen, people listen for sure. We're up 30% in our listenership in the last 45 days, but people read the reviews. They really do and uh, helps them to decipher whether or not this is a good use of time and it's funny because that's how this started we're at about I think this might be episode like 196 we're coming right up on 200 episodes and this whole concept came up when we were having a conversation at Sound of Heaven you may know the story already but I'm going to tell it again and somebody had talked about tithing, right? And then tithing your time, what that would look like, you know, you'd have to give over two hours a day to tithe your time. And that's pretty, you know, sobering for a lot of folks. Um, But then somebody brought up, well, what if you gave 1% of your time? And that was 14 minutes and 40 seconds. So we started this program, if I can use that word. It's kind of a dated word, right? But we started this with the concept of doing 14 minutes and 40 seconds. Now, you and I both know that we uh, extend a little bit beyond that, but, uh, you know, it's all right. We can stretch it a little bit, but we aim for to take this piece of time, like this 1% uh, give or take, and uh, focus on God, focus on His nature, And uh, we are at a very, very pivotal moment in Jesus's life and ministry. We're in Matthew chapter 26. We're going to be in verse 36 through 46 today. And we are in the final stages of Jesus's earthly ministry. We just got out of the Last Supper. He's walking to the Garden of Gethsemane, right? And if you remember from yesterday's teaching, he turns to the disciples and he explains to them. Okay, he says, I am going to be arrested and crucified. He says that already. He said that at at the Last Supper. But what he says to them, he says, all of you will fall away on account of me, right? And if you remember, Peter steps up and he says, I will never, I will never do that. And then he throws his buddies under the bus and says, well, if even if all of them fall away, I never will. I'll die for you pretty much. And Jesus bursts his bubble, so to speak, and says, before the rooster crows three times, Peter, you're going to deny me. And then Peter, of course, doubles down, basically telling Jesus, I don't believe you. And then all the other disciples step up and say, "Ah, we're not going to do it either, right? And now we know that they did. Okay. these same men that said, well, I will never, never leave you. I'll never fall away. We're going to see really how far that goes here. But Jesus gets to the garden of Gethsemane, And this is just a very, very emotional time. And I think what we took out of yesterday was that our frailty in in humanity is real. And we're not always willing to recognize our faults. Peter was not, even though Jesus knew his faults anyway. And we could look at us and say, you know what? We do the exact same thing sometimes. So now we're in Gethsemane and the faults and weaknesses of the disciples are really starting to shine through it did not take long gethsemane by the way is the the name gethsemane has real significance when you look at what's going on here that word means olive press think about this for a second, olive press. What happens at an olive press? Well, olives get pressed, duh. But what happens is, is what? A stone or a large object crushes the olives and, 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 you know, pushes the oil out of it. And that is such a representation of what happens to Jesus here. He is getting pressed to his limit in this place, and he, we hear even him speak in ways that we haven't really heard from him. We get a real sense of Jesus's humanity here. So let's start reading, and I think you're going to catch what I'm saying here. We are in Matthew chapter 26, starting with verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here. Will I go over there and pray? He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's John and James, along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So Jesus reveals to these men, These men who he has poured into for now, for the better part of three years. And he says, I'm sorrowful to the point of death. And we can really get the sense of the emotion in his words here. And then he seeks solitude to pray. Now, I've asked this question early on before. I've been asked this question. If Jesus is God, why does he have to pray to the Father? Well, this is because of his dual nature. He is fully God in the flesh, but he's also fully man. And because he's fully man and because he's flesh like you and me, he needs that connection to the Father that happens through the Spirit. Because when we fail, to connect with the Father on a personal level. We're left with our flesh and our flesh will deceive us. Amen. Jesus himself needed to pray, to stay strong, to stay uh, vigilant. How much more do you and I need prayer in our life? Jesus right now is expressing feelings like so downtrodden that he's feels like he's at the point of death. And again, we see just a rare vulnerable humanity going on here. And, and we're reminded just like we're reminded on the cross when he's thirsty, just when we're, how we're reminded when he looks on Jerusalem and he weeps. or when he looks upon Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, and he weeps. We see that he felt everything that we felt. Scripture says that he was tempted in all things, yet he did not sin. He conquered everything, so you and I could rely on that victory instead of what we end up when we when we are left to our own devices. And the Gospel of Luke says that this moment was... So intense that he actually bled from his from his head. He actually bled through his pores. And tell me that doesn't symbolize what happened to the olives, right? Being pressed and the oil. But there's also a medical term. I think it's called hemat... Oh, I do this all the time, don't I? I promise you, I did my homework. I'm looking in my notes here. Hematodrosis. I'm sure if anyone in the medical community wants to reach out to me and, and correct me on that I'm totally open to it. But basically it's it's when things are so intense that you actually can bleed through your pores, the capillaries, I believe. That's what happens, burst. I believe that that is what happened here. But let's look at what Jesus prays and what he does. He goes and it says here After he tells them, stay here and keep watch, we'll get back to them in a second. But verse 39 says, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but what you will. See that right there is the victory. Not my will but your will. That is a phrase that is very, very difficult for us to utter, to, to surrender our own will for the will of the Father, especially when things are not shaping up the way you would like, especially when the road ahead is not a road you would have chosen if you had the choice. Now, we know that Jesus decided to do this. We know and he said it. I could call. We'll get there. But he could have called down angels and ended this whole thing. He did not. And he's called the Passover Lamb. But lambs were taken and led to slaughter. We have to remember, Jesus chose to press forward, no matter how he felt. And he shows here, probably not a shocker to any of us, that that he would rather not go to the cross. But he says, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. What does that mean? May this cup be taken from me. If you look through the Old Testament, anytime there's a reference like that to to a cup, taking a cup, drinking of the cup, it's talking about wrath. It's talking about judgment, which by the way, you and I, by our sin deserve. The wages of our sin is death. But he's, what? Come so that we may have life and have life abundantly. So you don't have to pay the wages of your sin. Jesus already paid the wages of your sin. Does that mean you and I have a license to sin? No, it does not. Of course not. But what it does mean is that we do not succumb to our own flaws and imperfections when the standard of God is absolute perfection. Jesus paid the price for you and for me. And the weight of that is pressing down on him in this garden known as the olive press. And he stands strong. And he says, I know how I feel, Father, but let your will be done. No matter what you're going through today, I pray that you grab onto the courage to tell the Father in heaven that it's his will and not your will, because what you can accomplish with his will is so much more than anything that you and I could ever accomplish on our own. Let's continue reading. So Jesus asks this of the Father, and well, he doesn't really ask, he makes a statement. says, if it's not possible, Then let your will be done. Then he returned to his disciples, and he finds them sleeping. Imagine this, the men that just said, we will never leave you. We will never fall away. Jesus should have said, yeah, you're right, but you will fall asleep. You (laughs) will leave when I need you most. And he finds them sleeping, and he says to them, couldn't you men watch with me for one hour? Not even one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The disciples love to say, never me, Lord, never me, Lord. But when it came to controlling their flesh, they were weak. So Jesus doesn't, doesn't get discouraged. Well, it can't say that for sure. His human part must have been discouraged but he doesn't succumb to that discouragement. Again, not necessarily what you feel, it's what you do beyond the feeling. And Jesus here goes back, and he says in verse 42, and he went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And then when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. <laughs> but Matthew gives them a pass here. Well, it was because their eyes were heavy. The cross was heavy too. So he left them and went away once more and prayed a third time the same thing. And this is proof positive, right? that we can go, That we can go to the Father and ask him the same thing sometimes. Jesus asked, made the suggestion three times. If this has to happen, let your will be done. And you almost get the sense here that he's getting stronger every time. And Scripture tells us that if you submit to God, which is what Jesus is doing in the flesh here, he's submitting to the will of the Father that the sacrifice must happen so that the sins of the world may be forgiven. When you submit to God and resist the devil, what? He will flee from you. And he comes back and he finds them again sleeping. Why? Because their eyes are heavy. So he leaves them once more and for a third time he prays. Says in the next verse, then he returned to his disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here is my betrayer. He says, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. and We all know who that is. We'll get into his arrest in the next one. But the intensity of this moment in Jesus' life and ministry And he chooses the will of the Father. He says, my Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And the disciples, on the other hand, they're snoring. But, again, Jesus knows this. He knows where they fall short. And he doesn't get discouraged to the point. He just goes right back and prays. And Jesus' emotion and his vulnerability in his prayers are something that we can emulate. Be vulnerable before the Father. Notice that the Father did not rebuke the Son for having feelings that were contrary to his will. Sometimes we think that even the thoughts in our head somehow condemn us. They don't. They don't. There is no condemnation for those who love the Lord. And Jesus, even in this time of anguish and this time where his friends are sleeping on him, goes to, I, I think of the words of Paul. What did Paul write in Second Corinthians? He wrote, we are hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed, down for a moment, but not out. And that's where Jesus is. And it's that same spirit that rested on Paul when he wrote to the Corinthians that we're going through a tough time too. He says, we're hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. See, Jesus was being pressed in that moment, but he was not crushed. He was perplexed, but he was not in despair. It sounded like he was in despair, but he was not at the point where he considered quitting. And if you're out there and you're considering quitting, I just challenge you, hold on. Hold on. Because the pressing that's happening in this time is refining you and perfecting you and strengthening you. Every time Jesus went back to the Father, he got stronger. Make a decision today to go to the Father when you're being pressed and make that declaration as Paul did. I may be pressed on every side, but I'm not crushed. I may be perplexed. I may be confused. I may not have all the answers, but I am not in despair. I may be persecuted, but I am not abandoned. Say that. Say God, you have not abandoned me. Some of you think God has abandoned you. It's not true. You are not destroyed. You may be down for a moment, but Scripture says that the righteous fall and get back up. And Jesus is turning to the only one that ever said, and by the way, he said it all the way back in Deuteronomy 3.16, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So you may be, pressured, you may be crushed, but you're never defeated, and you're certainly never forsaken. So a few things I want to take from this today, and we're going to wrap up. Jesus sought personal quiet time with God to find his strength and guidance. Find your personal time with God. You need that time with God. And I want to emphasize the importance of confronting your life's challenges in a place of vulnerability to the Father. And when you do that, focus on the eventual victory. I bring you back to the point where they're walking. Or, I, I'm sorry, back at the Last Supper. When he says, what does he say? He says, I am going to be arrested but when, and, and crucified. But when I rise, I'll see you in Galilee. I'll see you there. See, Jesus always had his eyes on the victory beyond the struggle. That's what got him through this. And we get so focused on our struggle, we get so focused on the pain that we forget about the victory. Don't forget about the victory that you have because you're being strengthened in this time. And I want to just pray that you maintain faith in God's plan, even when... How it's unfolding goes beyond your personal desires, goes beyond even your understanding. Apply these things to your life. Apply them to your life today. Let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we recall what you did in the Garden of Gethsemane. How you were hard pressed from all sides, but you were never crushed. We make that declaration today over our own lives that we are not crushed. That we know that we're not abandoned. That you are with us. That we have victory. Just wherever you are right now, just say it. Have the strength to say it. Say, Father, let it be your will and not my will. Your will and not my will because anything that God has for you is a million times better than what we could do for ourselves on our own. And the road ahead may not be easy, but we've got the victory. Amen? We've got the victory in Christ. Just say that. Say, Jesus, I have victory in you. Thank you, Lord, for being willing to press through in the Garden of Gethsemane. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio, Sound of Heaven Church, Deer Park, New York. Check us out, soh.church, the 1% Christian. We will see you with the Gospel of Matthew chapter 26. We're continuing on. Go out and do something amazing for Christ's sake. I love you guys. Have a great day.